0: Trust me, or does Joe Biden look like a complete deer in the headlights whenever he's at a press conference with that blank stare, staring into nothingness as if he's reading off a cue card, which he invariably is? I mean, come on. Does anybody seriously believe that this senile old fool is running the country or running anything? He can't even keep from urinating and defecating in his pants. And I don't mean that to be disrespectful. It's just true. He does not belong in any position of any authority. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another episode of the Jamie Dury Show podcast. If you've not already done so, please subscribe to the show, and you can do so in one of three easy ways. You can either go to the Google Play Store, or the iTunes App Store, and search out the Podbean app, which is our hosting service, and simply search out the Jamie Dury Show and subscribe that way, or you can just use your native podcast aggregator app. Uh, from the Google Play Store, the iTunes App Store, and just search out The Jamie Dury Show that way. Either way, you'll be able to subscribe. You'll be notified of new broadcasts. You'll be able to leave reviews, make comments, and we really would like plenty of both and of a positive nature. We make a best effort to give you a good show and report on things that are not generally being discussed. So if you can give us a leg up, that would help us to grow the show, and we would appreciate it greatly. You know, the late Rush Limbaugh used to make note early in his career that the media in this country is nothing more than an arm of the Democratic Party. Late in his career, he began to change that opinion, and he began to believe that the Democratic Party was nothing more than an arm of the media. And the more and more I do this show, the more I come to that conclusion. It seems that the Democratic Party just does whatever the media says. Anything the media pushes, the Democratic Party quickly adopts. So they give them all types of play, and the Democratic Party is a direct beneficiary of it. Anything that's contrary to anything that the media doesn't want to get out, or the Democrats don't want to get out, just doesn't get out. Uh, now, before we get to the main topic that I wanted to get to today, which I know is something you're all very, very curious about, which is the outcome of the trial of Michael Sussman, uh, the former Clinton campaign lawyer, by Special Prosecutor John Durham, I just want to give you an example of what I've just been speaking about. One of the things that you're not allowed to mention at all is that there was anything untoward or wrong about the 2020 presidential election. Donald Trump is an old fool. It's all his imagination. He's got us all bamboozled and brainwashed, and it was completely clean and above board, and there was plenty of integrity, and there's nothing that anyone should say about it. And we're all supposed to legitimately believe that this fool we see on a daily basis in the White House garnered 85 million votes, not only more votes than President Trump, but more votes than Barack Obama, more votes than any president in history. Does that make any sense to you at all? If Donald Trump was rejected by the people, presidents who fall out of favor with the electorate usually suffer a reduction in the number of, number of votes they receive, not an increase. Barack Obama was reelected quite handily with fully three million fewer votes in 2012 then he got in his original election in 2008. He still won. Donald Trump increased his vote total by almost 10 million votes, and we're supposed to believe that he lost? Well, in case you're of that group that remains unconvinced, you'll probably still be unconvinced after I give you this piece of information. But those of you who have been made to feel like you're out of your minds and it's all in your imagination, perhaps this will fortify you and help you to continue to fight the good fight. This is a report that came out of Arizona on the 2020 election. And it's something that we should be concerned about with the midterm elections uh, just around the corner. It helps to scrutinize the 2020 election. Now, according to Arizona law, to be considered valid... Any mail-in ballot must be received by the county no later than 7 p.m. on Election Day. Any ballot, whether it's done in person or whether it's mailed in, it's got to be there by 7 p.m. Election Day, and I assume that's when the polls close in Arizona. Most polls close around 7 or 8. New York is an exception. We close around 9. However— Records recently uncovered, which documented the Maricopa County 2020 general election. This is just Maricopa County. We're not talking about the rest of the state now. It shows that more than 20,000 ballots were transported from the U.S. Postal Service after Election Day. Out of those 20,000, Maricopa County only rejected 934 late ballots in its early voting rejection summary document. See, apparently they make a document called the Early Voting Rejection Summary, which summarizes all of the ballots that were rejected and why, uh, as opposed to uh, ballots that were accepted. Now, if Arizona law requires that ballots cannot be received later than 7 p.m. on Election Day, how can it be that almost 20,000 ballots that were transported by the U.S. Postal Service after Election Day were not all completely invalidated. Now, if only 934 late ballots were rejected, this means that more than 19,000 late, invalid, illegal ballots should have been rejected. All right, I'll, I'll back off that word illegal because the people, I'll assume for the sake of argument, that the people who cast them were American citizens registered to vote, hadn't voted more than once, and were entitled to vote. But they're clearly invalid, even if they were not illegal, because they were not delivered or received in a timely fashion. So more than 19,000 ballots should have been rejected in Maricopa County alone. Now, why is this significant? Well, because the winning margin in Arizona was 10,457 votes. Biden is supposed to have received 10,457 votes, more than Donald Trump. And I would love to look, if they can be further identified, these, at these 19,000 ballots that should have been rejected and see how many of them were for Joe Biden and how many of them were for Donald Trump. You want to make a bet that more than 95% are for Joe Biden? And only 5% are for Donald Trump. This is what happens all the time. And I'll bet you most of those only had the presidential race checked off. That's because they weren't checked off at all. They were printed that way. I encourage everyone to go out and see 2,000 mules. Now, if you want to get a little more understanding of this contradiction here in Arizona, here's a little breakdown from an article in the paper about how ballots move in Arizona. To understand the anomaly, it is important to know how ballots are moved in Maricopa County, which uses drop boxes and early mail-in voting. A truck driven by a Maricopa County Elections Department employee picks up ballots at least once a day. The collection truck starts at the Maricopa County Tabulation and Election Center. The truck has some space for more ballots, but is already loaded with some early in-person ballots and ballots that were placed in a drop box. The driver goes to the post office and picks up more ballots, then takes the truck to run back election services where all ballots are given an incoming scan. It is here at the scan that the inbound receipt of delivery document, that's a quotation, is generated. This receipt of delivery shows the date, time, and names of the employees delivering and receiving the ballots. And it itemizes the number of ballots that come from the post office, drop boxes, and early in-person voting. In response to some document requests, Maricopa County made the receipt of delivery documents available for public inspection for the dates spanning October 13th to November 6th. It is from that collection of documents that Verity Vote noticed that documents from November 4th, the day after the election, were missing. Verity vote requested Maricopa County provide the receipt of delivery for that day. First with a few phone calls, then with written requests. It should have been the simplest request because all the other dates were already public. But this request went to a county attorney. I wonder why. Quote, after numerous delays, multiple follow-up emails and phone calls, county employees informed Verity vote that the records were the legal counsel, were with legal counsel pending review. It took nearly seven months to get the documents. Does anybody wonder why people question this election? If there's nothing to hide here, why such a lengthy attempt to hide it? Because the longer an illegal election is allowed to to be identified and described as legal, the more people don't want to accept the truth. Repeat a lie long enough and people begin to believe it. Well, the November 4th receipt of delivery... Shows that eighteen thousand ballots were picked up from the post office the day after the November third election. The form has three colors of ink. A runback election service employee printed his first name only, Brandon, in blue. Let's go, Brandon. Coincidence? The ballots arrived at nine thirty on eleven four, the day after. And the paper is signed in the same blue ink by the receiver, but the signature is illegible. A row listed as lates should show how many ballots are late. The four columns in the late row have numbers in blue ink, but are scribbled over and cannot be read. Another signature scrawled in red ink is also illegible, uh, illegible. It denotes the person who delivered the ballots even though the document is dated November 4th, one day after the election. At the top of the page, above the margin, someone has written Election Day, in black ink, in what looks like different handwriting from the rest of the page. The county also documents receiving 1,000 ballots on the 5th and 1,500 ballots on the 6th. Combined with the 18,000 ballots found on the 4th, the total documented late ballots were 20,500. As I've already told you, only 934 of those were rejected. So 19,500 ballots approximately were counted that never should have been. A letter from county recorder Stephen Richer responding to Verity Votes document request indicated that the November 4th receipt the county provided is not the only receipt for ballots the county received that day. This document does not represent the complete universe of Maricopa County inbound receipt delivery forms from November 4th. We cannot be certain, but we believe that the remainder of these forms were transferred to the treasurer's office to be stored and sealed with ballots. If so, it indicates there are more mailed in ballots that were not counted in the early voting rejections and presumably would have been counted in the results. So potentially, we have much more than 20,000 ballots that were received late. Another anomaly is the number of ballots collected November 4th compared to other surrounding days. Voters were instructed to, ma- to mail ballots by October 27th. This was to ensure that their ballots would arrive before 7 p.m. on Election Day. By October 30th, the number of ballots coming in by mail dropped sharply. That's because people probably got the word from the State Board of Elections and the County Board of Elections that they should mail by the 27th. So people who hadn't mailed them by the 27th, legitimate people, uh, after the 30th, they were going down because people said, ah, I can't get it in time. I'm either going to not be able to vote or I'm just going to have to bite the bullet and go vote in person. But all of a sudden, they spiked the day after the election. On October 28th, the county received 58,500 ballots from the post office. On the 29th, only 14,500. On the 30th, only 10,500. On the 31st, only 6,000. On November 1st, only 1,500. On November 2nd, only 1,000. See, these diminishing numbers are exactly what you'd expect. Fewer and fewer people as the deadline gets closer, even bothering to mail in because they realize that there's very little chance that anything's going to get there. November 3rd, there were 2,500 on election day. But November 4th, 18,000 late invalid ballots. How was that? Just enough to make sure that the margin of error was overcome. You recall that Arizona was one of the states that just stopped counting. You do remember that. Because they realized they were behind, that Donald Trump had won the state. So they just manufactured 18,000 pallets and brought them in a day late. What's the big deal? Unbelievable. Anybody tells you this election wasn't stolen? Just show them this. They're not going to listen to you because they've been brainwashed. But at least you'll know that you weren't out of your mind. Now, I just wanted to hit this item because I know that people are... uh, very concerned about it. As you all know, Michael Sussman was charged with lying to the FBI, and he was acquitted on that charge. Now, his acquittal may have been the result of a technicality, and I'll explain. Apparently, when Michael Sussman asked for this appointment, he texted a message to James Baker, counsel for the FBI the day before the meeting, saying he was coming on his own and not on behalf of any client. He did not reportedly make the statement in person during the meeting itself, which is what he was being charged for. He made the statement the day before the meeting when he asked for it, but in a text message. Now, there could be some point of law which indicates that someone who texts something It's not the same as making a false statement. A statement is distinguishable from an actual oral statement. A text message is distinguishable from an actual oral statement. He's not being charged with making a false text. And I don't know, given the nature of technology, that we would be able to charge somebody with a false text, which just goes to show you, very slick to text that he's not representing any client and then goes on and bills the Clinton team for his services going there that day. So clearly, if he didn't violate the letter of the law, he violated the spirit of the law, and he's clearly guilty, in my opinion. But in addition to this point of law, there could be other reasons why Sussman was acquitted, and here are some of them. This was also reported on Fox News, but many people probably didn't hear it. The jury included one federal government employee who told the judge that they donated to Democrats in 2016, and another government employee who told the judge, both of them, that they strongly dislike former President Trump. And both of these jurors told the judge they could be impartial throughout the trial. The jury also included a teacher, An illustrator, a mechanic, and more. And here's another little tidbit. One of the jurors, apart from these two government employees who had a strong dislike for President Trump, had a child who was on the same high school sports team as Sussman's child. They knew each other. Now, how these people don't get thrown off the jury, either with peremptory challenges or challenges for cause. I do not know. I can tell you though that the jury selection process as I've discussed many times before in this show is very different at the federal level than it is at the state level. At the state level, your op- your lawyers have the opportunity to voir dire every potential juror. The prosecutors have the opportunity to voir dire every potential juror. You have so many peremptory challenges meaning People you can just decline for no reason. Your gut tells you they shouldn't be on. You have no legitimate reason. So you save those for that and you do it. If you can't get somebody off for cause, you get them off with a peremptory challenge. But those are limited. Now, why is this jury selection process so indispensable to victory in a trial process? Because I didn't realize, even though I had studied a lot, I didn't realize until after I took my MBA and was specializing in marketing, that the trial process has very little to do with the law and more to do with marketing. You see, whether it's a civil trial, whether it's a criminal trial, one side is selling you something, and the other side is selling you something else. In a criminal trial, the prosecution's version of the events, that's their product. That's what they're trying to sell. The defense, if they put one on, is completely different than the prosecution's version of events. That's their product. And if they don't put on a defense, they're simply trying to convince you not to buy the prosecution's product. But you see, when you sell a product, you have a customer in mind. You develop something, you market it to certain individuals. Obviously, if you sell baby products, you don't advertise and market to senior citizen centers, unless you think there's some way that the grandparents are going to be buying all these things. No, you market to people of parenting age, childbearing age. Well, that's what the government does. The rules in the federal system are designed to ensure, to the extent possible, that the jury pool, the jury that gets in that box, constitutes a market segment that is most receptive and sympathetic to the product that the prosecution or the government is going to be selling and not so receptive to what the defense is selling. In this particular case, it looks like the swamp is a swamp because what also happens in the federal jury selection process is the lawyers don't get to ask the questions the judge does the lawyers for both sides submit their questions to the judge the judge decides whether he or she is even going to allow certain questions to be asked and then the judge can ask their own questions somehow some way the process was manipulated whereby 3 people out of 12 who clearly had no business being on that jury were on that jury and they were there for one reason and one reason only, to acquit Michael Sussman. So we have a little technicality in whether texting constitutes a statement or a false statement or lying. And then we have three people who are predisposed to believe anything at all that came out of Michael Sussman's mouth or his attorney's mouth. This is a tainted prosecution. And I would like more information to come to the fore as to how this was allowed and how Durham's team got waylaid on this. But notwithstanding any of this, notwithstanding any of it, a considerable amount of information came out that shows just how dirty the Clinton campaign was. Michael Sussman may have been acquitted, but that doesn't mean that he was innocent. And it certainly doesn't mean that Hillary Clinton is innocent. We had people taking the stand that admitted that Hillary Clinton herself approved of going forward with these narratives that they knew were completely manufactured and completely false. And yet they were allowed to go forward anyway. This system is as corrupt as it gets, ladies and gentlemen. That's why I say to you the Democratic Party is nothing more than an arm of the media. The media is manipulating people. You will never hear any word contrary to what they want you to hear. This thing I've just told you now about the jury was only on Fox News briefly. Nobody ran with it. People should have been making a really big deal about this. Which is why unless you're listening to podcasts like this one, alternative media, you're not going to get anything. And I'll tell you something else. Don't think they may, they may not try and shut down airwaves on us. So it may be time for us to go back to a little old technology like ham radios, have our little talk groups to communicate when suddenly there's no place for us to go. But podcasts, 54 million Americans now get their news regularly from podcasts like mine. I'd like to get a little larger share of that 54 million. Please tell your friends about this show. Please tell them that I'll always give them a straight opinion. I'll always give them a straight answer. And I'll always answer questions that you have for me. So if you have any questions, if you have shows that you'd like me to do, topics that you'd like me to cover, or places that you would like me to go to speak at events, community board meetings, etc., reach out to me. Jamie Dury 1776 at gmail.com. That's J A M I E D U R I E 1776 at gmail.com. I will answer you and I will do my best to fulfill your request. Have a good weekend for the Jamie Dury show. I'm Jamie Dury.